best describe it? It is a full week of activity that uh, include workshops, uh, public performances, special events, 
outdoor concerts that culminate in four days and nights of nonstop music on main stage, followed by the nightly Twilight Blues series dance parties. And when you're curating for the festival, I guess, how many, like, do you bring in a lot of international artists or do you like to have a focus on local and Canadian as well? It's a range. Um, So we have local, regional, and international. Um, So it's really a mix. And uh, the front half of the week is 100% local. And uh, the weekend is is a real blend. And I uh, look at... You know, emerging artists, up-and-coming artists uh, of, uh, you know, stars of tomorrow and uh, veteran artists and all points in between. I look for um, a variety of instrumentation because the blues has a number of um, subgenres. It is, you know, a broad spread of uh, everything from acoustic to electric to Delta blues, Chicago blues. Texas Blues, uh, and all points in between. So it's a real um, varied program. And then how do you feel like the festival has changed from when it first started to now? What are the main things that you can kind of pinpoint? I don't know that it's changed a lot. It's grown a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we have become what our vision has always been. We started with one day 16 years ago, and now we draw about 27,000 people throughout the week. We have an incredible volunteer team of that number of around 750 individuals. They too are from all walks of life. The thing that I'm probably the most thrilled with is just the sense of family. It, it really is like a giant blues family. Yeah, I loved going last year. I feel like everybody is so just like excited to be there and excited to chat about music. It's just such a nice environment because I don't listen to a lot of blues personally, but when I'm there, I just feel like I can I can't help but love the genre and just learn about like the history of it because it does have like a long history, right? So as you said, giving that overall perspective is so nice and I think it's really special um what this festival does every summer. And I guess winter as well because there's two. Um but do you have any favorite blues fest memories that kind of stand out in your mind? Oh, my gosh, we could be here for a long time if I got into all of that. You know, I think suffice to say that, you know, once again, I'm I'm so proud of our volunteer team. They um, they really do bring the thing to life. You know, I work behind the scenes all year and then they are the most dedicated, loving group of people who have contributed so much and continue to. I feel really blessed to be surrounded by such great people and great music, great musicians. The musicians are world class and there's a thrill about putting local artists beside international artists and people realizing, you know, sometimes we're not that great about celebrating our own, but when people realize the stature of the musicianship locally and in Canada, it's always a pleasant surprise. And my number one uh, goal and, and uh, probably the happiest thing that you could have ever said is that you've come to enjoy the music because that's really uh, the, the greatest thing of all when people who don't always listen to it find something there that they love and enjoy. That's really special. Because mm-hmm. there's so many different, um, I almost feel like kind of like subsects of, 
blues as well, right? Like, it's not all the same. There's a little bit of something, and it makes its way into other genres as well. People pull inspiration from it, and I think we kind of forget about that. Sometimes, or at least I do. I don't think everybody does, but I think I have in the past. No doubt about it. And, you know, I mean, I've mentioned some of the forms of, you know, blues as we, you know, think of it. People are, you know, kind of put it in a box, but R&B, funk, soul, gospel, you know, there's there is a lot, as you say, Cajun music. Um, even Motown, we had Martha the Vandellas one year as headliners. You know, so uh, it, it it's a broad umbrella that embraces, you know, great music. And and I think what's so important about this music is you're right. It, there's there's a huge history there, and it informs us culturally and and in many other things as well, civil rights and all kinds of things like that. And it also, um, I think, is the voice of the people. It's something that everybody can, you know, find something there. And uh, it's truth-telling. It's honest. I think that's part of what touches people with music is they find the messaging very relatable and maybe even telling their own stories, you know, in, in via an artist. And then with the whole COVID thing happening and unfortunately having to postpone or um, are you postponing the festival or is it just um, canceled? Do you have anything kind of planned in the meantime for Blues Fest? We have a few things coming down the pike. We will be doing a three-way partnership, actually four ways. Uh, We do a traditional Blues Festival event at Heritage Park each year where uh, CJSW uh, broadcasts my radio show, The Blues Witness, live from Heritage Park, and um, that's a partnership with Blues Fest and the park. This year, we're also uh, being joined by Mount Royal University, who will be live streaming the event. So um, it's it's growing. This one event has grown into something really spectacular, and we were, we are working on some other things uh, that will happen soon. Um, I, I wish I could speak more to this, but it definitely will be bringing more blues to the people. You know, we'll see where COVID goes. The live blues isn't the easiest thing to do right now. Um, but, um, you know, here's hoping we can hold COVID uh, down and uh, hold it back and, and get back to doing what we love the most. Mm-hmm. And do you have any recommendations for people who maybe want to, because, you know, normally there's that aspect of discovery with Blues Fest. Um, so is there anything that you've been listening to that you really enjoy that you would love to recommend to listeners? Oh, my gosh, uh, that's such a long list. I mean, you know, it's a funny thing because a lot of music that we listen to today is is um, MP3 or digitally produced, and, and I still get anywhere from five to ten CDs a week in my mailbox. So blues musicians are still missing CDs, and, you know, it is such a personal choice whether you like contemporary music or whether you like traditional or... You know, if you're a guitar fan or maybe you're a B3, Hammond B3 fan or a harmonica fan or, you know, great singers. I mean, there's just so many various things. You know, even just thinking back to last year, we had, you know, a couple of players, uh, that very famous musicians that were, you know, over 80 years old. And we had musicians that were, you know, in their early 20s. So it's a really broad spectrum. Um, One of the things that people can do is visit our website. And under the archives section, they can see the list of all the artists that have performed and the schedules from each year. 
And through the artist lineups, they'll uh, be able to, you know, listen to whatever um, might catch their uh, attention or, you know, that might appeal to them. So we've made sure to leave that there. And, of course, people can hear, um, you know, this isn't about promoting my, my radio show, but I do try to do the same thing with the Blues Witness each week at CJSW, which is to showcase some new stuff, some, you know, more vintage stuff and and, uh, and a variety, just like I'm mentioning here, of styles, of instrumentation, of uh, legends and up-and-comers. So it's a real mix. Awesome. I love that. So I guess my parting question is how can people support Blues Fest during this time? Oh, my gosh. That one took me by surprise. Well, um, <laughs> yesterday, this is kind of fun. I have had some masks made with our logo on them. Oh, I was seeing that, yeah, on the website. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. I, I thought it was kind of cool, and it was a bit of a risk. I didn't know if people would go for that, but, you know, it is a bit of... I don't... I'm not a person who likes to just stand in line and ask for money. I'm not built that way, and mm-hmm. I've worked in the arts my entire life. I really like to be able to offer something in return, and so... You know, these masks are handmade. I think it's a really good value. They're serving a great community purpose as well. And they're doing a little bit of marketing for us. So there's options there. There will be uh, coming down the pike in a very short time, lots of opportunities to support. And that'll get lots of marketing through our, our website and social media. And I'll mention it on the radio show so that people will have opportunities to hear more and uh, music. And um, and there is a donation button on our website if people feel so inclined. So there are a few options. Cool. Well, I'm really looking forward to listening to the broadcast. Masks are the new fashion accessory. So I love that as well. Thank you so much for speaking with me and talking about Blues Fest. I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. And thank you for uh, coming to the festival last year and having such beautiful things to say. Of course. Uh, that's what keeps me going. Just knowing people like you are benefiting from that. It, it makes it all worth it. Running over my pill, yeah. Lord, please don't leave me behind. 
Ladies and gentlemen, love you guys. You are the best. Thank you so much for showing up today in such a safe and regulated way. Part of this, what people are calling the new normal these days, but I believe there, I believe there is a light in this tunnel. We can choose to look at the dark. It's easy, but the light is a little bit harder. It just takes a little bit more effort sometimes. What should we do now? Let's do... What's that? More music. All right. It's going to be tough, but we'll try. I'll do my best to oblige. Um, yeah, all right. This is a fun one. This is one I heard some years ago that was performed by Chris Thomas King. He's a fantastic ragtime and blues time player. And I saw him playing in a movie once. And it was during a campfire scene. It was really quite evocative. Let's see what it sounds like out here and maybe if there's any correlation to current times to this song. It's called The Hard Time, Killing Floor Blues. Yeah, I'm out. 
so much that's the hard time killing floor blues by skip james you got that spotify check it out Switch back to the national style O, which was developed at the same time as the national tricone, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that's right. By John Dopiera himself and with help from his brothers. It has got the iconic Hawaiian scene on the back, which, of course, it looks so lovely you want to put it on the back. I don't know. All right. This is somewhat a blend of the new and the old. Meaning that part of it is in tune and part of it is not, you know, vintage and modern. Now, the cool thing about national tricones and single cones is that you can still get the vintage ones from the 20s and the 30s. They do sound pretty good. But the even cooler thing is that a man named Don Young in 1994, he resurrected the national brand. And I am here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that they are just as good and some of them are even better than the ones that you can get in the 30s. Now, it's always cool to say, well, you know, check out the sound of this. And this instrument is, oh, 80 years old. 
and still works perfectly. How did they even make it without a computer or Bluetooth? I don't know. How did it happen? It's got to be magic. just heard from uh, Mike Watson uh, yesterday, actually, during a live broadcast um, with the Blues Witness program that is, of course, hosted by the wonderful Cindy. Um, if you missed any of the live broadcast uh, yesterday, you can check it out on cjsw.com under the Blues Witness program. Um, but you are now tuning in to The Circuit here on CJSW. Uh, I'm your host, Jess, and I am also joined uh, right now virtually by Michelle, who is from Calgary's Fringe Festival. How are you doing, Michelle? Good, thanks. How about yourself? So good. I'm so happy uh, that you're able to talk with me live through the power of Zoom. Uh, we're huge fans yes. of the festival here at CJSW, and there's something really special about Fringe. I feel like when you know starts up in the community, it gets a little bit. The community itself gets a little bit more vibrant. So I'm really happy that you could talk to me about it. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited. For sure. So I guess we should just start by um, who are you and what is your role with the festival? Okay, well, I'm uh, Michelle Glant, and I am the festival director and producer of the Calgary Fringe. And so what is the Fringe Festival like for those who have never been before? Well, for those who have never attended a Fringe Festival before, um, in Canada, the Fringe Festivals are what's called a non-curated live performing arts festival. So basically what that means is all of our acts are selected by a lottery draw or first come first serve basis. So it doesn't matter your level of experience. You can be a first time artist to a seasoned professional. It all levels the playing field. Literally your names go in half <laughs> and cool. I just start drawing them out one at a time. And um, because of that, it's, it's an open access art festival. If you think of it that way. Um, with anybody be able to participate and put whatever it is that they want on stage. So it can be anything from puppetry, performance art, musicals, comedy, drama, um, improv. I call it anything goes theater. And uh, we also, the ticket prices are always kept at a reasonable rate. So audiences of any age can participate. So it's usually set at $15 and hundred percent of the box office goes back to the artist. So that's probably like the unique thing of fringe festivals is that anybody can participate. We don't tell you what to put on stage. You can put whatever you want on stage and hundred percent of the box office 
plus the GST and taking surcharges goes right back to the artist. Oh, that's so important. Um, mm-hmm. So what is the Fringe Festival origin story? Because I don't think, like the Fringe Festival is not isolated to here in Calgary, right? Yeah, that's correct. It's, it's worldwide. And the first Fringe actually started in 1947 in Edinburgh, Scotland. And the reason why it started was twofold. Um, there's there was producers that wanted to set a theater festival and they wanted to do it in the month of August, which is a very busy tourist month. So they were trying to find venues. They couldn't really find any venues within the city. So they had to go to the outskirts or the fringe of the city and put up tents so that they can hold this performance arts festival. And the other reason why Edinburgh started in 1947 was just after World War II and they wanted to bolster everybody's spirits and just to give them something like hopeful to look at something something just to celebrate so that's where the roots started was Edinburgh Fringe the second one was in Adelaide Australia back in the 1960s and then it just ballooned into this worldwide movement um, so you'll see fringes from across across the globe as far away as Africa Australia all throughout Europe um, South America and North America it's, it's really quite amazing And then in your experience um, hosting it here in Calgary, how do you feel like the festival has grown here over the years? I would probably say like this year, for example, would have have been our 15th um, Calgary Fringe Festival. Our first one was back in 2006. And I would say over the years, how it's grown um, is just in the capacity of the artists that have come in. Um, from different areas of the globe coming and participating as well as our local homegrown talent, which has been phenomenal. And having venues within the downtown core, like our concentration is within Inglewood, and we had outreaches over the years and into the downtown core. My my vision, my pie-in-the-sky vision someday for the Fringe is that it would kind of go through Fort Calgary and into the Riverwalk and East Village and into the downtown core. <laughs> that's, sure. that's, that's, that's the dream. That's the vision. Uh, but over the years, basically, it's just been about keeping it contained, having a wonderful festival where different artists can, can come and perform and participate. And audiences just love to be able to try and come and see something different, something that they've never seen before. And with a lot of the acts only an hour, it gives patrons an opportunity to say, see two or three shows in, in one evening. With only $15 a ticket, it makes it really affordable to do that. And they can see some pretty amazing performances. Do you have a festival memory that kind of sticks out in your mind uh, from hosting wow. over the years? Um, That's always a hard question. Lots, there's so many. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. I was doing a, um, on, on Facebook, I was doing a, a, a daily posting Calgary Fringe memory log of today. This is what would happen. So um, I guess one of my favorite memories, and I'll just share from today, um, is is at the end of the night. So so this is the like typically right now would be the eve of the Calgary Fringe kicking off, which which would have started tomorrow. And uh, we just finished having celebrations with the artists. It's nine o'clock in the evening, and everybody's going home. We're doing final cleanup, and we're checking, making sure that everything you know is all in order and ready for tomorrow. And my favorite thing that I always like to do is I always like going down into one of our venues. And then just taking in the atmosphere. 
And it always just feels so special and magical for me because before the artists come in and take the stage, before the audiences pour in to come and see what's what's on the stage, it's just that magical moment of knowing that there's going to be live art put on the stage that people can come and enjoy. And that just always uh, fills, fills my heart, fills my heart. And, and there's always the, I call them my theater angels that are always there and magically things come together. Even if your tech rehearsal was bad, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, really horrible, it just, see, things just seem to come together and everything clicks. And my favorite thing is just being, just watching the audiences coming in and seeing the delight on their faces and seeing shows and experiencing something that they've never experienced before and, and just taking that leap of faith and going and trying something new and different. That's the exciting part for me. Yeah, I think that's so amazing. There's something really special about, you know, putting yourself out there and sharing something mm-hmm. that you put so much passion and time and effort into. Um, so mm-hmm. it's so cool that Fringe kind of like supports those spaces. Um, are you planning anything in lieu of the festival? Well, we're cooking something up. I don't have very many details yet, but I will say, mark in your calendars, August 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th at 8 o'clock each night. There's going to be a special online presentation put on by the APT33 gang. Uh, APT33 usually hosts our late night cabaret um, during the Fringe Festival. So they're cooking up something kind of special. Um, There's going to be fringe artists on there, guest artists coming on. There's going to be some volunteers coming on as well that you'll be able to watch virtually online. Details to come, but if you mark it on your calendars right now, um, that starts on Wednesday, August 5th, and then runs through Thursday, August 6th, Friday, August 7th, and Saturday, August 8th at 8 p.m. each night. Awesome. And I guess that kind of leads me into my last question with um, how can people support the festival during this time and where should they go to keep updated on that information so they can take part in those activities? Absolutely. Um, Where they can support us is we're on CanadaHelps.org. So they can always do a donation through there or through Benevity.org as well. Uh, Both of those organizations uh, take in donations and issue tax receipts right away. So so that is a way that you can support our festival. Uh, In terms of other information, where you can find it out, we'll have a posting on, on our website once I have details from the APT33 gang about the special thing that's happening next week, as well as through our social media channels on our Facebook page, on Twitter, and on Instagram as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Michelle. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I hope you're all staying safe and be well. You as well. Uh, Keep safe and continue making art during this time if you can. That's what I'm you always <laughs> trying to tell people because it's so important. These, you know, things that are going on in our community, even though it's a little bit different, they're just so important to the atmosphere and I would never want to see them go. So I'm really happy that you guys have something planned in the meantime. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jess. Yes. Take care. Okay. You too. Next up, I'm going to play a track by Stony Sugar Skull called Careful um, here on the circuit. Thanks for tuning in. It's 11.44 a.m. We have about 15 minutes left, and I'm just going to be sharing the music love. So here we go.
Calgary's underground music scene is diverse and spans a multitude of genres across the spectrum. One of the city's most carefully gestated and developed scenes is that of its blues and roots community. The geography and history of settlement in southern Alberta spawned the seeds of old country and roots sound going back over a century. Over time, venues have come and gone, each playing their roles of incubating the very sound that permeates the city's music community today. The historic King Eddie and St. Louis hotels, the Blues Can, Ironwood Stage, and many others have all contributed to the growth of the scene that still exists now in 2020. One of the torchbearers of the modern-day Calgarian blues musician is Amy Nelson. Born and raised in the city, her art and fashion can be consumed in various forms, perhaps none as mellifluous as her banjo-driven ballads. Her sound is as old as the hills, but as fresh as Alberta wildflowers, and you may have caught pieces of her many sets over the years in Calgary. Her 2019 release, Educated Woman, is a body of work that speaks to her caliber of a songwriter and combines that quality with superb yet haunting banjo picking. Crisp production throughout the entire project makes Educated Woman a true non-skip body of work. It is available for purchase digitally on all streaming platforms and in physical copy on the shelves at Blackbird Music.
That brings us to the end of this week's episode of The Circuit. Thanks to Cindy and Michelle for chatting with me um, on today's show. I'm uh, going to leave you off with a track by Good Times by Marcus Tremor Band, who won the Randy Austin Scholarship last year. Um, and it's an award presented annually to deserving blues musicians by the Calgary Blues Music Association. Um, they also have the Joanne Castle Scholarship for Women in Blues as well. Um, of course, presented to a deserving woman working in blues. Uh, so it's kind of part of the ongoing process of um, 
community building and bringing people together and honoring people for their craft that are influencing so many areas of the art community. And the same can be said for the Fringe Festival because sometimes getting that platform to showcase your passions and the thing that things that you invest blood, sweat, and tears into is not easy. And it's festivals uh, like this that give people a chance and the space to feel included and represented. Um, so thank you to everybody who puts work into festivals throughout the summer and creates these spaces. And if you want to keep up to date with anything that Fringe Festival and Blues Festival is doing, you can visit them on calgaryfringe.ca and calgarybluesfest.ca. But other than that, that's it for me. Here is uh, Good Times by Marcus Tremor Band, who is a local musician here in Calgary. of art in and around the Calgary area during a summer of new normals. As always, you can catch the podcasted episode of today's program anytime on cjsw.com. This podcast has been funded through the generous support of Calgary Arts Development and the Rosé Foundation as part of their Alberta Online Programming Grant. Welcome to CJSW 90.9 FM. My name is Chantal Chagnon. I am Cree, Ojibwe, and Métis from Muskeg Lake Cree Nation in Saskatchewan, which is in Treaty 6 territory. But I'd like to acknowledge the land upon which we stand, because if you don't know where you are, you don't know where you're going. This is the home of the Treaty 7 people, the Nitsitapi, or Blackfoot, of Siksika, Gainai, and Pagani, the Beaver people of Tsutsina, 
and the Stony Nakoda of Morley, which includes Chiniki, Bears Paw, and Wesley First Nations. We also acknowledge Métis Region 3, for we are walking in their footsteps. Danielle Ghostkeeper from the BB Buckskin Project, and you're listening to CJSW 90.9 FM, broadcasting from Calgary, Alberta, the traditional territories of the Blackfoot people of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, which includes the Siksika, Pikani, Kainai, Sutina, and the Stony Nakoda First Nations and the Métis Nation in Region 3. Drop. 
side of the road like a deadbeat Feeling alone, leave you in the trench Six feet, battlefront raps It's a feast of the MC Cannons blazing, bombs small villages Someone the sickest MC I'm a pillager, see you take a sip Are you gonna finish it? Leave a gross taste, backwash then I spit New world order Rap career cleansing, knocked off your throne This queen ascending Nose out your phone, just stop pretending Mind out the gutter, kind of message you sending Got two mouths, two kids to feed Wanna come for me? World War III, someone, hip-hop, first infantry When they ask who's the queen, gonna mention me Good afternoon and welcome to the Good Medicine Show. I'm Cam and you're listening to me being broadcasted from the University of Calgary on Treaty 7 land on the traditional territories of the Blackfoot Nation, which includes the Siksika, the Bikani, the Kainai, as well as the Susina and Stony Nakoda First Nations and the Métis Region 3. All right, we just heard someone with Warzone off making moves, and that is someone SUM01. I am not just extremely unprofessional, he said, pantsless with cartoons in the background. Anyways, here's some music. What you think? 